Now I get up at seven, yeah, and I go to work at nine. I got no time for living, yes, working all the time. It seems to me I could live my life a lot better than I think I am. I guess that's why they call me, they call me the working man. <laughs> yeah! Uh, that was yes. a good version of it. Come on, come that was on, excellent. Well, I, we I enjoyed to, it. I, I used to punish my kids when they were bad by me singing to them. You did well, man. Come on, Todd. It's it's great to see you again. I haven't seen you in I don't know. I'm gonna say a couple of years. Well, I haven't seen anybody for about two years. Yeah, I know. This whole thing's that's going on around the world or whatever it is. But I guess it would have been the last time I saw you might have been IBS, like 2019. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think it was the last time I saw you, yeah. So. It, was, it was IBS uh, at the beginning of the year and then March, end of March. It, it was all started. Lockdown. Yeah, it was yeah. all started from there. I was actually telling Carlito before the show, I remember you getting me into little schluter secret parties and get past the door and all, and he was like i never got any of that action <laughs> well he blocked me 10 years ago <laughs> but he also has a lot of praise for you todd from i guess back in the days on the show oh, right todd you're, todd's a mentor of mine so cool yeah so we, oh. we're good that like and now you have a different position well um i got elected at the convention of the trousel telemarble association as uh, president wow so, congratulations uh, thank you yeah the association's like uh, 77 years old, and it uh, basically represents the tile, a stone, terrazzo industry in Canada. Across the board. Across the board. So you guys so, set the standards, or you guys set... Right, so the, the, the official trade is terrazzo, tile, and marble. Okay. Okay, and back 77 years ago, all three products were probably installed equally as much. But over 77 years, tile grew exponentially. Terrazzo, not so much, although <laughs> it's still around and it's a great floor, but it didn't grow as much because it's very labor-intensive and expensive and so on and so on. But now they make slabs that look like terrazzo, mm -hmm. right? And they charge a premium for those slabs yeah. too. And I, I've seen precast uh, sl uh, slabs of actual terrazzo. Yeah. So it's not just looks like terrazzo, it's actual terrazzo that is made into slabs so you can use it for countertops and all kinds of cool things. So so hang on, you're getting ahead of ourselves. I just want to let everybody know that we're at TT Max office right mm -hmm. now recording the show with you, right? So everyone check it out. It's www.ttmacmac.com. And the email is association at ttmac.com. And Instagram handle is ttmaccanada. Today, we're going to basically talk a lot about what you guys do, what the industry has been doing, how it's changed in the last eight decades, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then uh, whatever other questions that Carlito here might have. Oh, we have lots. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Todd hated me when I'd come into his classes. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd, I'd love questions you'd always be like shut up i gotta i want to get out of here <laughs> but what about this <laughs> what if you had this situation and how long has it been i i must know you 25 years now i work for schluter but uh, 22 years with schluter yeah so if we met at the beginning of that it's could have been 20 22 yeah years. you told i just want to say like you totally changed my life i never knew how to do a sand bed before I met Todd, uh, there was a lot of things I didn't know because back then there was only Home Depot courses, the School of Hard Knocks. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't have someone teaching you like yourself, so coming into the Schluter course and meeting you, you spent so much time with all of us and changed my whole career. So I really want to thank you for that. Oh, good. Glad to hear. You've probably, you've nice. probably changed many people's lives and no one ever, ever tells you. So 
I want to say thanks for uh, mentoring me because I would not be the tile setter I am today if it wasn't for you. Cool. It's gratifying, especially towards the end of my career, is to do something meaningful. And that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm president of the association is that I want to do something for the industry that's been kind of good to me over a lot of years uh, to uh, do something meaningful for the industry as a whole. Yeah. So uh, in this role, and be it, it's a volunteer role, so I just took on more work, <laughs> um, but uh, kind of like this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah, yeah but it gives back, Manny. It yeah. does. So it's, it's gratifying to hear that you you know you've made a difference and that uh, that I've uh, you know helped people out. Honestly, I wouldn't have the house or the vehicles if it wasn't for you, because <laughs> I really didn't know what I was doing. You spent so much personal time with me and other people. Like I remember bringing five or six guys with me. You were patient with everybody across board and the free tools were fantastic. <laughs> Isn't is half the battle finding the right person to ask the right questions? That's like, the thing. Because there's a lot of people out there that are giving up answers that are not necessarily the right answers and they may not be the right person volunteering those answers. With the association, we've got a number of different uh, things that we do. And one of the things here is, like, listeners can't hear, but we have all the manuals that, uh, that we publish. And the tile installation uh, specification manual is recognized by, by the government. So it's a, basically a, a legal document to how tiles should be installed. Forbid that anybody gets to court, that is the ruling document for how tile is supposed to be installed. Wow, so this is actually brought into... and. That's referred to. That's that's the end be all. The and, minimum and code. Like that's well, that's the tile industry standards. Okay. So you have building code, which is the building code, and then there's the tile industry standards on and sort of the the concrete association has standards. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Do they trump the OBC? They work in conjunction with the OBC. Okay. Are okay. our standards similar to the US and to Europe? Or are we higher, lower? We work very close with our uh, U.S. counterparts. They set their standards. We take a look at what they do, take a look at what's going on in Canada. So, for example, residential floor construction in wood, uh, they use only three-quarter inch. Where here Single? In single. No, no, but not, not for tile, but okay. they're, they're regular floor construction. Where here, we use five-eighths. And three quarter, but mostly five eighths. Wait, you're talking about plywood? Yeah, just the TNG subfloor. Subfloor. I yeah. thought the standard for OBC OBC is five eighths, but I right. thought the standard for custom building is three quarter. Well, things have gone three quarter over the years. Oh, now, twenty years ago, you couldn't find three quarter inch tongue and groove in a, in a lumberyard. It would be a special order. Now yeah. it's a standard stocked item because floor joists got to seven, uh, 19 and a quarter, and the code actually allowed five eighths on that which was crazy. Awful. That's insane. So you get on 16 on center. No, on 19 quarter on 19 center. on. It, really? it, yeah. Originally, I don't know if it's changed now, but wow. uh, originally when they came out, because actually the, the, when the eye joists came out, they had a two by four top full two by four. So the clear span between the two by fours, even though they're 19 and a quarter on center, the clear span was almost the same as for uh, 14 inch clear span between 16 inch on centered hmm. dimensional lumber. The, if the clear span is about the same, it's okay. But then the top flange went from a full two by four, two by three, doo, 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 doo. and you know now it's almost down to two by two. So now the clear span between those is it's huge. I think it's a really important point. Most people mix up plywood and OSB too. So I see a lot of guys laying on OSB, 
instead of plywood or removing the OSB and putting plywood. I know that we have thin sets that can go over that, but I just don't trust even exterior OSB. How do you feel about that? Setting tile directly to OSB is just a no-go. It's just that's not what accepted I want to hear. By, it's a failure. It's it's just not unacceptable. You just yeah. don't do it. If somebody's doing that, they, they have no idea what they're doing. I thought in Quebec, and I don't want to upset the entire province, but I do enjoy doing that occasionally. I thought they tile right onto substrates, including OSB. In Quebec, it's very, very popular to put two layers of plywood. Oh, so that's okay. what they do. So you could have OSB, they'll put a layer of plywood on top and then bond tile directly to the plywood. Still, so, that's going to be wavy with humidity and, and water damage. And, and it, so you're getting plywood is stored outside of the lumber yards. I worked at a lumber yard for yeah. two years and it's wet. It, it's damp. It's maybe not wet, like soaking wet, but it's the high, high moisture content. So they screw that down. Next day, they're installing tile and then the moisture leaves the plywood. What's going to happen? It's going to shrink. And when it shrinks, it moves until it tends to crack. So uh, if the plywood has residual moisture that's reasonable and the amount of shrinkage is, is small, uh, it's successful. Tile, it's fine, yeah. right? Yeah. In a lot of cases, it's not. So it's not really the best way to go about, about tiling. Carlito, do you want to bring up that scenario that you brought up a few podcasts back about the ceramic tile cracking? I was going to get to that, but uh, oh, sorry, I, I really jump. liked where we were going with the substrates because Go that's ahead, do it, the, do it. the first and most important part. You gave me a book 22 years ago, and I think this was the same location 22 years ago. When we did the workshops, we were doing here. here. Yeah. yeah. I remembered pulling in, and I was like, flashback. I was like, wow. Like <laughs> I've been here like 10 times, and I didn't realize this was your office, right? But most people, like all the tile setters that I'm watching and on Instagram, really good tile setters, they're still laying on really bad substrates they're laying on on 24 on center these are some of the big problems that we're having with tiles cracking and moving right mm -hmm. so i just want to talk about what are the other ways next to schluter to do substrates there's two framing methods there's dimensional lumber okay and the, and the spans are dictated by the interior building code you can get the span tables right engineered floors okay they're engineered and stamped by an engineer those floors, not all of them, are suitable for tile for under any circumstances. Wow. Because the engineer will engineer it for the intended use of the floor. It could be vinyl. So if it's carpet and vinyl, they'll have a deflection of L over 240. See, that's, I have and, a major issue with the deflection parameters on OBC. Like, it's too grand. It's way too big. Well, especially on these engineered floors. So I went to one house that the actual, you know, the TT Mac back then did an inspection on. And the engineered floors were designed for carpet and vinyl. And then they put limestone on top. That was my question. Is that what happens when you renovate? Because vinyl, as far as I know, is never going to come back in style, but it's being removed. Mm -hmm. And now you put limestone on, on top. And you have a floor that's not, the whole framing is not designed for the weight and for the deflection that you need for tile, never mind stone. So right? what's the fix on that? You have to add joists or you have to add substrate? You have to go to the company that made the, the floor joists with the plans and say, how do I get this floor up to L over 360 deflection for tile or L over wow. 720? And they'll prescribe what needs to be done to get it to that stage. And a lot of times when they design the floor, the floor covering hasn't even been f chosen for that new home. So you got a custom home going up. They engineer the floor, 
What do they engineer it for? Most Car- of the time, carpet, it's hardwood. Hardwood, you know, yeah. or tile, or is it stone? And you're right. Everyone's thinking engineered eyes. That's like the strongest <clears throat> tech. And I just finished a house after I put the Schluter down and laid the tile. The tub, you could hear it flexing. And I'm like, this is a, a brand freestanding new- tub or is it an alcove tub? It was just a soaker tub. Yeah. Okay. You could hear and see the tub moving. And I'm like, what kind of floor do you have? And he's like, well, I have engineered eyes. Until now, I didn't realize that there's that much deflection. If you look at the drawings that come with the floor, it'll have all the deflection and, and live and dead load criteria for the design right on there. If I bought a house that had engineered floors, the plans are with the building department. Go pull the plans, take a look. What does it say? What's the deflection? Is it L over 240, L over 360, L over 720? And that'll guide you as to what you can do on that floor in terms of putting on tile. If you've got a dead load maximum of 15 pounds per square foot, you have to start with the drywall on the ceiling underneath that floor, the floor joist weight, the plywood weight, the tile weight, the underlayment weight, and that has to be under 15 pounds per square foot. Then you add fixture weight. If it's a bathroom application. What about the island in the middle of the kitchen? Or the kitchen, with exactly. Now 3CM yeah. uh, solid surface on top or granite. That's a lot of weight. Can that floor, is it designed to carry that kind of weight? Even though it's engineered, What's it engineered still for fail. what? What's it engineered yeah. for? Is it engineered for tile or is it engineered for stone or is it engineered for a flexible floor covering like vinyl or carpet? You know, as, as, as a contractor, you know, you do your uh, due diligence and you should be checking with the building department, get that, those drawings, find out what that deflection and li- uh, live and dead load uh, requirements are of that floor. How and do I, we have these conversations with the clients? Because now we got to go back at them and say, I've got to skin this floor with new plywood that's going to be glued and screwed every six inches or whatever. Or, or scab or, on. I, yeah. So. Yeah. Or, or, you know, then you have to go to that company and say that design the floor and say, okay, here's your design. How do we bump this up so we can put tile and stone on it? And then they'll, you know, you may have to cut out plywood and put uh, bridging in between of some kind or, or stiffening rods. I don't know what they I've seen engineers. Out. There was one engineer that I worked with one time and he actually mm-hmm. to stiffen up old traditional hundred year old true dimensional two by twelves. Douglas fir. No, he actually p- suggested putting um, a six by or a two by six on either side of it underneath, but then another flat two by six on top of it because everything was getting wow. radiant floor heating. And that was going to increase the structure of the each joist by doing that. Yeah, the, I've heard of, and I'm not an expert at this, yeah, no, but no. I've heard of, of uh, some sort of material. I was going to say carbon fiber, but that's probably just not the right terminology, but it's like a, a material that they put on the underside of the, the floor joist. And it's so tight that it won't allow it to deflect. To deflect. And it's very thin, stiffens up the the floor joists. I mean, we're so used to sistering everything, right? That's the first go-to that engineers tell us. But the weirdest thing is for me, in the last six months, all the questions I'm asking you have happened to me in the last six months. So <laughs> for the last 22 years of me knowing you, everything has gone perfect. And now in the last six months to a year, I've been running into these imperfections or flaws and I never even paid attention to the deflection. So if I'm coming in as a contractor for the listeners, how do I test that deflection? Like what are the, the basic tools or how do you do that as a, a, a tile setter before you get the job? Well, the, the most scientific way is to get a 
200 pounder like me to bounce up and down on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to bring that up because that's what I heard on a TV show one time. And I'm like, okay, all right. I think you're about a buck 80. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the, that is going to give you uh, a reaction. Like if, if you feel that floor is, you know, it's a wood frame floor and it feels like you're jumping on concrete, you're probably going to be okay. If the dishes are rattling and uh, you know the water is dresser handles are moving, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing, then you it's, know you should be. Concerned. I know, but that's code though, and that's engineered. Like we all know the spans of two by eights and two by tens and two by twelves. Engineered, you. They're too so long. You don't know. Man. So are you long. saying? Are you saying that if I'm building a house for myself, if I need to speak to the engineer and tell him ahead of time that I'm going to be laying tile in these washrooms? And he's going to either tell me go 12 on center or yeah, the, brace it. Exactly. So or if you're, just use normal lumber. If you're building uh, and you're going to have engineered floors, talk to the company that's doing the floor, the engineering the floor, and tell them what kind of uh, floor coverings you're going to have. So you may end up having to buy an extra three joists. So you go 12 inch on center instead of 16 inch on center. Oh my and God. it's going to cost you... Three hundred dollars, and but now but then your you floor just, is good for tile, stone, this, that, or whatever you want, and you just and you're made, not going to get that bounce. That's it. It's, and your handles aren't going to be clattering on your on your furniture. Just, but, but you just upset three trades by doing that. <laughs> well, and we know which my, three we're talking about. My job in life is to make everybody happy. <laughs> no, but, well, but not, your HVAC not. and your plumber and your electrician is not going to be happy yeah, with but, twelve inch on center joists, right? But the callbacks can put you out of business. Some of the problems you run into, you know, to other guys that might not, like to a framer or an engineer not paying attention to the tile setter, that job could put someone right out of business by not telling that. Are there any tools that you can recommend me going to buy so I can measure the deflection? It's just an engineer You know what you could probably do is just take every contractor I know now deals with lasers. Mm -hmm. So just take your laser, put it somewhere in the room. And measure the perimeter and then measure the center and see what has dropped over those years based on how old that house is. Well, for example, I, I go to um, somebody that's removing and replacing and then adding a second floor. Now they've put the eyes in on the second floor and it's already built and they've gone through three. So my my MO is after, after a couple bad contractors have gone in, they hire me. They didn't call me at the beginning of the project, they call me after they've had the problems a few times. And then I'm stuck with a house that's already built, drywalled and ready to go. And it needs tile and and waterproofing. Just like in this last scenario, the floor was so bouncy, but engineered eyes, it's it's mind boggling to know that that could happen. I'll give you a scenario. So I went to go pick up some tile and I drive a Sprinter van. And at first I thought, sure, I could take two skids of tile. I'll take one on the side. Exactly. I know I see your eyebrow go up. And then, so the one on the side went in no problem and the van slowly went down. Not completely, but slowly went down. Then he went to go put the one in the back. And I just saw that thing just drop like a rock. And I said, take it off, take it off, take it off right now. That tile is all over the floor right now. That's a lot of weight going on your floor. Mm -hmm. Clients need to understand that that's a lot. That's not even including the mortar. Yeah. And some spots, like we actually measured and we fixed everything that we possibly could. The back of the house to the front of the house was dead level to each other, but there was a slope in the middle that dropped. But for us to get the back and the front perfectly dead level, we actually had to get up to about half to five-eighths of mortar 
That's or a lot of weight. So we had, we had uh, I think it was a skid and a half of material of mortar. So again, another skid on the side and the truck goes down. That's more weight being put on there. And like you said, then there's going to be an island in the middle. And now the 2CM stone is going to go there. That's even more weight. That's just insane. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I mean, like everybody should just do their homework, find out how this was built back in the 70s, 80s or whatever. Figure out how that has to be beefed, beefed up now. And that problem gets passed on to the drywallers now. So they're expecting to see a flat roof underneath saying they are getting dry. And now that's got a belly in it. The problem's passed on because it's not taken care of. It's definitely something, again, you've taught me that I'm going to have to pay attention to for the future. What I did back, uh, it might have been at the IBS show. So I went to one of the Fleur Joyce manufacturers, and I don't want to call out the name. And I said, so what do you guys engineer to? Whatever the cl- client asks for. Like, what if the client doesn't ask? Our go-to is L over 240 because it's the least expensive floor, and they want to get the order. So they're hoping that you're putting vinyl or right. something so hardwood you're at getting that point. The, and, and, and I'm like, don't you have that conversation with your customer to say, wow. you know, and he says, yeah, we've had a lot of, lot of issues. So now we're, you know, we're defaulting to L over 360. What's and the I'm price like, difference? Wow. I mean, is it twice as much to actually just get to a better joist? Or I don't, I like, we don't know. We're not joist. No, but he's just saying there. add one or two more and then you're up to standard, right? So yeah. you're going 12 inch on center though. Or you go to a deeper, deeper joist. I mean, and they can put all kinds of stiffening rods and bridging. But then, but then you get clients that height restrictions, they're maxing out. I want 10 foot main floor. I want nine foot second floor. You change your your eye joist from a, a nine and a quarter to a 11 and seven yeah. eighths. Mm-hmm. It such, doesn't such become is, a 10 foot such ceiling. Is, such is life. I know, I know. <laughs> so, but we all were old enough that we all grew up in eight foot ceilings and, and they felt tall. They still yeah. feel tall, right? But everybody wants 10. You know, that's one of, one of the small issues uh, that, that's out there that I think a lot of people don't realize you have to you have to deal with it it's a well, good one it could it's crack grout <laughs> as simple as that a, a callback for grout being cracked along the tile that could cause that that's a massive job again absolutely we're getting ahead of ourselves i i'm curious there uh, todd we have this little segment we have little segments on the show yeah Carlito and i love and i'm just wondering is there a particular construction bone that you gotta pick on that's recent or something has come up, something that you dislike in the industry? The biggest problem in the tile industry right now, mm-hmm. and it's actually increasing instead of decreasing. Oh, wow, I'm loving this. <laughs> <laughs> what is, is this? Is spot bonding of tile. Are you telling me that people still do that? Because oh. the last time I saw it was two idiot twin brothers on TV that did it. That's the last I time I saw it. I know those two idiots. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it is such a big problem. Like, how do you, I don't, I don't understand that. Even if you did it and let it cure it and then you just, and then it changes sound. It's like either you're making a music track or you're laying tile. Which one so, is it? So first of all, maybe for your listeners to explain what spot bonding is, yeah. is that, it, you know, the floors are not level. So to get them level, they put blobs of mortar and then set the tile on the blobs and then push the blobs so that they expand sideways out, yeah. until the tile is level. But that leaves a tremendous amount of voids, especially on the corners and edges of the tile where it's most vulnerable. And it is a completely unacceptable. With the TTMAC, it's one of the things that we discussed at our last board meeting is that we're going to start a campaign, like a marketing campaign. To eliminate. To bring this problem to light as much as we possibly can. Put out pictures, you know, with a big red X through 
through the picture of spot bonding. And one last, last picture I saw was, it was a, a Dietra heat installation. Okay. <laughs> what was it? And blobs of mortar. On so Dietra heat. On Dietra heat. So then when, you, when they took the tile off, because the blobs actually, the, the thin sets, there's no thin set that I know of that can go thicker than three quarters of an inch. So when your blob is an inch and a half thick, okay, it's going to shrink, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't have any gravel in there to keep it from shrinking, right? The thicker you go, the more the bigger aggregate you need from concrete. So the thin sets, oh, thin set. It's meant to go in thin. So when it's <laughs> an inch, inch and a half thick, it's going to shrink. So it, the tile just shears off these blobs. So all the tiles are sitting on top of these pet blobs of mortar, and, and the, it's all loose. So when they lifted it up, you can see the cable. It's not even touching the mortar. So you're not even transferring the, the heat at it, that it point. It's just... It just complete debauchery you we talking should, we should invent a thick set no <laughs> <laughs> you just talking there todd got me thinking about you want to use an ad campaign just make a tic-tac-toe grid and put blobs can can i ask and you just say no yeah. <laughs> that's all it is it's, man it's, it's the cr crazy everyone's gonna thing. keep doing it though. i don't know anybody who does it you know somebody who I, does it Ty i've wise? done it like you actually living breathing person right now i've not done it exactly how you said it but <laughs> i've built up the floors and i've had to in some spots built it up a little bit more before I got into my self leveler. Like I've ran into that problem and I, and I've, no, I don't but do you that haven't now, taken but. tile and put blobs and no, then set literally it that no. way. But you're talking about horizontal, right? We're not talking about vertical. No. Vertical is a different story, right? Well, vertical, it's bad too because of the shrinking. Okay. So if the blob shrinks and shears the tile off, the tile can fall off the wall. Right. Second Even if place. It's back so when it shrinks, it pulls away from the substrate. Yeah, the the the, the tile is this size, and then the the blob shrinks in size. It's just going to pop the tile right off. Mm. In a shower, for example, that is completely unacceptable. Wow. Because all those voids will allow water to to run down. Because a lot of guys think that grout is it's perfect water, yeah. and waterproof and stops it's it. It's not. Yeah, we know that's not. But spot bonding is. It's such a bad thing. On floors, it's completely unacceptable. On walls, it's pretty much unacceptable too. Wow. It's all to do with getting the surfaces, the tile installation flat. The surface is crooked. They need to correct it. So instead of correcting the surface first and, and then, then having tile. a flat surface to get full coverage, remember in tile installation, you have to have 80% or more of the back of the tile touching mortar. 80% okay. or more. 80% or more. So if you take a, a trowel, notch trowel, notch out your thin set, and you set the tile just on top of the ridges, you're going to get 50% coverage because the ridge is 50%. The, yeah. the value is 50%, right? Yes. So the more you press the tile into the mortar, the more the mortar fills in those, those hollow cavities in between, you get more and more coverage. So I see a lot of installations after the tiles come up. I go, oh, they used a half-by-half half notch trowel because they didn't compress the mortar at all and you can clearly see the notch marks and that again isn't giving you the 80 percent coverage and therefore it's not to not to spec on that note you said to me decades ago the trowel marks in between were actually designed to engineer the movements so if you fill that whole area up with thin set and it's just full it's not going to be able to flex back and forth and move right so what you're talking about is, is Detra, is the hollow cavities in the Detra allow for that movement. No, I okay? meant, I meant the actual trowel trowel, 
I've never said that, man. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I could have swore you said that the that, spaces in between were for movement. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. I, I've been saying that for years, by that's, the way. That's like, like really wrong. Sorry, pal. <laughs> man, I should have been listening more than talking, huh? <laughs> it sounded legit for a second there. It's been working for me. <laughs> yeah. So Anyway. <laughs> well, you learn again. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So from the substrate, where do we go from here now? You guys have a lot of other standards. Uh, like, what else are we talking about here? I'm assuming you guys are also touching upon grouts and and their products as well, too, right? Right. In the uh, in, in the tile installation handbook, it it details all the grouts and the substrates and all that. It's like a basically a recipe book for tile installation. He's just grabbing the books right now for all you listeners that have no video camera. <laughs> <laughs> so now this this book here, it's called the Tile Installer's Technical Handbook. Do we have to buy these or you have to order these? Yeah, they're 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 available on the on the website for purchase, cool. both uh, printed and electronic. But Carlito and I are walking out of here with them. I think so. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, this book's format is this is the problem, this is the cause, this is wow. the solution. Nice. And it shows pictures. Uh, there's a few pictures in here that I, love that I took on on jobs, and uh, it it's it's a really great reference manual. And that one Pal's, there is Pal spec book. Actually, this one's in French. I'll get you an English one. But <laughs> the uh, this one tells you how to do it right, and this one tells you what went wrong. Wow. I and really need that. Both are huge, <laughs> hu like the, the, this. This uh, tile installer's technical handbook is worth its weight in gold. Honestly, I think I'm going to start reading that on the podcast. It makes sense, dude. Honestly, it does. That's brilliant. Um, he has I, other ones. He's got other ones here too. Hang on so a sec. There's several. Because we have, uh, we're also marble, marble association. Yeah. This is dimensional stone guide. So you see all the stone slabs that are on walls and elevator lobbies and all that kind of thing. This is the details for doing that. Now, you guys just attack slabs. natural stones, or are you attacking all slabs? All Porcelain. Porcelain falls under the tile section. Quartz. Uh, quartz and marble and granite and all that. You Same know, category. All the high-rise buildings downtown that yep. are covered on the outside, that's covered in the dimensional stone. We also have a fabrication manual. Fra fabricating countertops. You know, you go to your fabricator to there's make standards uh, too, huh? Yeah. So there's there's standards on on that. Uh, that was one of the uh, most recent editions. Uh, uh, there's a terrazzo spec book too, so it goes through all the requirements to do a proper uh, terrazzo. Both I, you uh, know, terrazzo doesn't get the love that it really deserves because I mean I think everybody has the the, the image of terrazzo from our elementary schools. It was just generic looking terrazzo. I remember terrazzo. The 90s. Yeah. There's there's art like when it comes to Europe and European terrazzos, man. It's yeah. insane. Like it's good work. Well, one one of the top terrazzo guys is uh, from Canada. Most of his work is in the U.S. <laughs> That's where. Well, yeah. it's tropical, right? It's hot out there. It's, it fits the and the 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 artwork that this guy creates is uh, uh, unbelievable. Like if you go to the convention center, you know the the turtles in the terrazzo. Yeah. That, love that. Those stuff. are all his. That's his. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. The, there's some really, really sensational uh, looking terrazzo. That's what I mean. It doesn't get the love that it deserves. It's funny you say that. I was looking at that turtle the other day. I thought it was beautiful on the back of uh, mm -hmm. the shower wall. It was uh, it was gorgeous. Yeah. And, and what they can do with terrazzo is is is, is really really amazing. Now, you're not going to do that so much in your own home, but I've seen 
residential installations of Terrazzo too. But, uh, and then there's the hard uh, surface maintenance guide, how to maintain your floor. There's all the different floors. How do you maintain different each type of floor properly yeah. with what? So I know recently in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of inquiries regarding a certain quartz company out there and staining of their material. Would that fall under the hard surface maintenance guide? Now, are you talking about natural quartz or a quartz agglomerated manufactured product? That one. That one. Yeah, that, that would be under the... Uh, I don't want to give up the name. I'm not sure. If it's in this, uh, I'm just saying because the thing is, as contractors, we're so easy to convince our clients, or the clients will come up to us going, "We want to go with quartz because we heard it's low maintenance and we don't have to do anything, and it's never going to stain." And then, sure enough, within six months, it's staining, and something happened. Here's my experience: I've had corian in my house, I've had porcelain tile in my house, I've got marble in my house. Wow. Um, and all of it stains. I like it. All of it, I shouldn't say stains. It all gets dirty. Yes. Okay. And then you need to know how to clean it. That's it. That's okay. exactly it. So at our, at the Schluter Training Center, we, we had a countertop fabricated by our friends at uh, Marble and Marble. And uh, give me a little plug here. Yeah. Of course, man. Probably give us a good deal there on for on sure. A, so it's an <laughs> island top and it's made out of a, a sl- uh, the thin porcelain slabs. It's porcelain. It's polished porcelain. It's not supposed to stain, right? Well, coffee machine goes on there, coffee gets spilled, go to wipe it up. You think it would just wipe right off, right? Mm-hmm. It's stained. Well, stained, most people think stained, it doesn't come out, okay? This got dirty. That's what I'm saying, it gets dirty. Now you got to clean it. And it didn't just wipe off, right? You had to, so then it went back to the, to the manufacturer's rep and I said, so what's up with your stuff staining? says, well, you know, if it's polished, that uh, opens up all the pores of the uh, porcelain and you should be putting a uh, penetrating sealer to it. Wow. On porcelain. And I'm like, really? I never never, knew that. That's never expressed by any sales rep in a showroom or designer selling these products. And then what happens? Fingers get pointed at whoever fabricated, whoever installed it, whoever built it. Our uh, facility in Germany, a training center, they used Avonite, which is a version of Corian. And uh, they go, oh, we don't like it because uh, it stains. And I go, let me guess, from coffee, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but you got, it, you got the stains out, right? And go, yeah, we just had to clean it a different way. Are there any tricks you can thing. release on how to clean that? For solid surface like uh, uh, Corian and Avonite, a green scrub pad. Wow. It won't scratch. It won't. It's not too abrasive. Well, that's what you surface it with originally. They surface it with a green scotch spray pad. You're kidding me. Yeah. So you just basically sand the surface off and all the little scratches are gone. It's like a 5,000 polish. Yeah. You're basically refinishing your counter. So my, my Corian at, and my, my ensuite at home, you know, gets, gets all, actually starts getting shiny because of the wear. And then you can see all the little scratches. So I just take the green scratch bright pad, give it a you know good you know, good and it rubbing, goes back to the and then the nice honed finish looks beautiful. I like that. That's a good wow. little trick. And it looks like I've, I've had that now for probably thirty years, and looks like it's brand new. What I've learned from fabricators is that there's a trick for every single surface out there. Mm-hmm. 
It depends. It doesn't matter what liquid, wine, coffee, or whatever it is. There is a trick to fix it, to get rid of it. But the thing is, I think what happens is you get a lot of clients all of a sudden pull out the most abrasive, not right products mm -hmm. and start attacking it. And then they create a dead spot, a shiny spot, something that's different to the rest of the surface. Right. And so, then they start questioning it even further. So for my Aquarium countertop, I had to do the whole top. The to match it. Edge everywhere, not yeah. just because it would then look different in the spot that I finished. Yeah. And it's the same thing goes for, for whether it's marble or granite or all these other products. And some of the... Some of the exotic granites, uh, you know, it's a combination of different stones. There's inclusions of different uh, quartz and things like that in the granite. And, Onyx uh, and things. You got to know what you have and how yep. to maintain it. It's very yeah. important. Wow, so important. While we were on a large format, because I didn't want to get too far away from that, it's the new big thing. A lot of guys are doing large format right now. Oh, uh, the pain. biggest problems I'm seeing or the biggest callbacks or anytime someone talks to me, they always ask me a question. It's always around fireplaces, mm -hmm. you know, caulking, cracking, the heat getting behind the stone, getting up to the TVs. What, what is it called, Todd? Stress fractures? Well, heat causes movement. And when things move, they tend to crack. Can we talk so, about some of the, just for, for the guys out there that are listening, mm -hmm. what are the proper procedures of putting porcelain on around a fireplace? Right to the caulking around the outside of the fireplace, please. Well, first I'd start with the framing. Make sure it's stable. Because if it's wet two by fours that we're framed with, and when that dries out from all that heat, it's gonna twist and move and... Would you recommend metal? I'd, I'd, go, I'd go with metal or with... Uh, uh, Engineered. You know, spend $35 for a, uh, one of those two-pronged probed uh, moisture meters that you can stick into your lumber mm. and see what your moisture content is. Um, little 30, things like that. 32% the the number? Mm, should be it's a lot too lower wet. than that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty wet. So that's one thing. Make sure your framing is stable. And then the surface that you're putting on top of your framing should be, again, a stable surface. So concrete board, very stable, you know, and then taping the seams properly with the mesh tape and, and concrete mesh concrete mesh concrete mesh yeah so and then mortar the that's embedding that mesh right so that's important not the that dirt bond 90 that's in the box now and no else. drywall screws i see guys putting concrete board up with drywall no, they gotta still. be coated it has to be coated and a big screws. wafer head yes right because that you take a regular drywall screw and and hit it hard and it's just gonna go right through, right through. like it's yeah. not even there so the proper cement board screws are important and then don't bind it tight to anything. So I've seen where the, the tile or the stone is actually touching the metal fireplace. Well, the metal fireplace is gonna expand, expand. and it's gonna, you have no place for that movement to go. It's gonna push on the tile and kaboom. The other thing that should be done is the inside corner should be drilled. The inside corner. So if you're cutting a, a, in, an inside corner oh, yeah. on your tile. You're drilling the corner. You should drill the corner before and then you cut, cut to those. Because yes. then you have a, a, a rounded inside a corner. radius. And behaves like an aga, I guess. Right. So it, airplane it window. Airplane window. They're yeah. not they're not square edge for a reason, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Movement. Yeah. Yeah. So drilling, I remember when I did my Corian fabrication training 30 some odd years ago. Yeah always drill the corners where the sink is and then cut between the drill holes and they even sand the ins that drill so because the drill leaves little notches and those are places where cracks can start 
Wow. So, well, so if you, you get a little polisher and just polish that. You know, I, I saw a little trick recently where uh, for cutouts for Aria events or even some specific finished cutouts in tile, porcelain or whatever it is, a small little eighth inch file. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of clean up that corner because you're getting rid of those ridges there that may potentially be a crack later on. Right. That was a nice little trick there. I like that one. Mm. You know that one? I do now. <laughs> <laughs> so for example if you're if you're cutting a tile to around a heat register on the floor same thing you know drill four holes and then cut to the holes i was always told with fireplaces porcelain slab you have to have a joint you can't as much as clients want a nice clean cut around a specific fireplace box mm -hmm. you still have to leave joints and try to epoxy those joints to try to make them disappear as best as possible because the porcelain will move. And so I've, I've always recommended that because I took that from the fabricator telling me that. So I've given it to the client because the last thing I want is install a full slab and then have a crack show up right. because they cranked the fireplace for whatever reason, right? It also depends on you should look at the specs of the fireplace too because a lot of fireplaces don't emit that much heat coming out. But if you have a fireplace box that has a lot of like a blower or something like that and the BTUs are through the roof, or that, that's going to affect the fire the stone around it and it's a choice of material too yeah um, I, I did that I, I cut a hole in the middle of a slab but it's 3cm granite that's different I mean I did a I did because a I wanted that one yeah. piece look yeah whereas if you go with a thinner type of product it gets but you can put a torch to granite and it's not going to do anything you could put a torch to marble it will stain it but you can clean that you put a torch to porcelain we all know what's going to happen. But I think that's why it so pops, many... It cracks, it disappears, like it just smashes. That's like, I mean, that's a plumber's torch right at it. That's what mm. was going on. So That's interesting. I didn't know that either. I did that test. I was asked to do that test. But I, all the fireplaces that I look at were either granite or marble back in the day. And if you look at them when we were cleaning them up, and now they want to go porcelain because they like to look better. Are people that going makes porcelain sense, because right? of the look? it's flexing better, right? Or the cost? I think everyone's after the low maintenance, like... You know, you guys said it before. Everyone just believes that it's less maintenance. I think Todd, you're you're basically saying there's maintenance to everything, and you have to know the product, or your contractor needs to educate the homeowner on the maintenance for the future. Remember my first fireplace, black marble around the fireplace looked great. Nice. Then my wife took out the Windex to clean it, spray spray in the middle of each of the of the black granite tiles. Couldn't get the, the couldn't whiting. get the couldn't get the uh, the, the stains spray. out. Yeah. Because wow. it just absorbed it. Absorbed Marble's a sponge. And, yeah, and it's Windex and it's ammonia and this and that and ruined ruined my fireplace. It was natural. Yeah. Wow. She cried a lot. I forgave her. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he did mention that he was, like, you put epoxy in there. I was told the opposite. I was told not to use epoxy, and I've always used fire caulking in between those slabs. Like, really? the last couple slabs I did, I bought a fire caulking in between. Nobody ever knows that it's... Fire caulking. I put the epoxy in it. I mean, still to this day, it's probably about seven or eight years old. It's nothing's happened to it. Well, I kind of agree with Carlito. If you're putting epoxy in, epoxy is very rigid, very strong. Yeah. It's joining those pieces together. You might as well have done it all in one piece. It hasn't cracked. Well, I haven't gotten the call back. I know. I know you're saying. Maybe it's breathing properly, I guess. You. It's you a, a story you always on. hear. Oh, it never happened at my buddy's oh, house. Oh, I know, I know. And then, you, and then all of a sudden you do it and it happens. Yeah. I, know, I know. Well, even the granite in my, my, around my fireplace in one piece, they weren't going to do that. 
they wanted to cut it because it's easier for them to install. Yeah, but any natural stone you could do it around a fireplace. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The only reason I want it is I want a one piece look, and they were really reluctant to do it, and it cost me extra money because they needed, I think, eight eight guys to lift that piece in place. How big is your house, Todd? <laughs> <laughs> well, think about a three cm uh, slab floor to ceiling. Ten feet. No, it's only eight foot ceiling. Eight but foot floor, ceiling. Floors, and then the full width of the slab. So five. With a little hole cut in the middle. It's heavy. I was going to ask you in your books there. What about quartz in fireplace? Because I know quartz. Any of those quartz products, you're not allowed to put it through an open flame gas stove range, but also fireplaces too. Well, those manufactured products have resins that hold the and that's the reason why pieces together, and yeah. that resin is plastic basically right yeah so you can engineer plastic to do all kinds of things and some of it's really really good stuff i'm not knocking it but again it has its limitations so ask me what happened when i put the torch to that product uh i'm asking you fire <laughs> fire <laughs> it just ignited i was like whoa gonna need the extinguisher for that one while we're on the topic of that uh, does an electric fireplace is that in the same no problem with the quartz like say i do a condominium and i put a fake fireplace in and it's only producing like 2000 btu could i put quartz around it and not have to go marble or porcelain or i'm, I'm not a fireplace expert so i you know I'd, I'd be speaking outside of my box if i if i firebox i like that one <laughs> <laughs> you got the pun didn't you <laughs> <laughs> I know, but most fireplaces are anywhere from what fifteen thousand BTUs and up, and then if you got an electric, that's two thousand BTUs. Is it really doing anything? I don't think so. It is right. Yeah. Well, well I think right now we should take a little break and do <laughs> history with Manny. <laughs> yeah, but before that, we're talking to Todd here. How do you pronounce your last name? Velikis. Velikis. I was always saying Velakis, but it's Velikis. That's Greek. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, TT Mac, Terrazzo Tile and Marble Association. He's the new president here uh, for a couple of years, right? Uh, no, since October. But since No, 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 but you're going to be, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, president for two and a half years. Oh, man. Oh. That's so cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Man. So proud uh, of you, man. association at ttmac.com. Reach out to them, guys, to get those booklets because those are going to be important. Instagram is ttmaccanada. History. None of it came out. Violent. None <laughs> of it came out. Uh, guys, I need you guys to tell me. When did they start using ceramic building materials? Ooh. Um, <laughs> probably. Well, that's an arguable. Uh, there's, there's, there's well, some who, people who, that say. Who it's, took claim? Who took claim? The Mexicans. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a, little, a little further back. Yeah, it's probably the Egyptians or. Uh, the uh, Romans. The Rom Romans? Roman Empire. Uh, they, they said they, they took credit at, at 500 AD. Get out of here. That's when they said that they took credit. But also, it spans as far back as 4,700 BC, where it is the Egyptians. That's so it is. it's it's kind of arguable, and so they were using a very a, a variety of uh, of materials: clay, rock, sand, and other local materials to create the product. And it was all just fire clay, yeah, which is way back. So I mean, they've been using tile for a while now. I love history with Manny. <laughs> <laughs> that was history. Moving with on, Manny. moving on. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I don't want to get too far from it. I uh, I want to talk about thinset a little bit and okay. educate the people. 
myself and other people, what kind of thin sets to use for different materials? Like what should you be using for porcelain? What should you be using for ceramic? I just recently had like, again, this last six months has been the weirdest six months. So I've learned a lot from it. A lot of changes in the industry too, with chemicals. I I'm, I'm seeing a lot of changes in materials. I had some ceramics crack after I laid them. And I found out that I was using a harder, a, a, a thin set that was drying too fast and it was too hard. So it was sucking back the ceramic and cracking it. Just for that reason now, I'd like to talk about the proper thin sets for the proper applications of different tiles. I think it's the use of the, of the thin set more than what type to use. Uh, so for example, went to one installation where the marble was crushed. You see all these random cracks in the marble. And it was in a high rise, so they said, well, the high rise sways too much and that movement is causing it to crack. They rip it out, do it again, does exactly the same thing. So installed the same way. Installed the same way. Okay. So I get there and underneath the, the, the marble, there was about an inch of thin set. Oh, because the, the pour of the concrete was off, so they filled it. Well, the reason I asked, I said, why did you put so much thin set underneath the marble? He says, well, I needed to get it flush with the hardwood floor. The hardwood floor was put on top of wood subfloor that was put on top of the concrete. So it was quite a high buildup. So he built up the, the stone in the bathroom. Well, the thin set shrinks. At that thickness. Like what you said, pulls on the stone and crushes it. The bond to the marble was really good with the mortar, so it didn't shear off the marble. It pulled it down and cracked it, basically crushed it. Wow. It used its natural so veins just to... They redid it the third time. They filled it with self-leveling that's meant to go an inch, or three quarters of an inch, and then just use the rest in thin set in a thin application. Everything's great. Hmm. Proper products used in the proper way is the key. Uh, there's a lot of new kind of chemistry in thin sets. We call it proprietary. So this company has their thin set and mixing instructions are super important now. Used to be, you know, get a garden hose and put water in until <laughs> the mixer gives you the right consistency. Yeah, I like it like this. It's nice and loose. I did uh, it like that before. But I Many did it times. too. And that, that's the way it used to be. And that's the way the thin sets were, were made. Uh, and that was fine. Now, they're the some of the proprietary, uh, one, one thin set I mixed a few years back, I, I literally had a stand on either side of the bucket because it was mixing so dry. It was... The, Mixer's bouncing around inside the bucket. The bucket's flying around. So I stood on the bucket to get it. And I, I, I went to the, the sales guy. Well, this can't be right. Uh, and he goes, oh, just keep mixing. And after fighting with it for maybe maybe a minute, it just bleh, turned nice and soupy and mixing is nice and creamy. And it was, it was perfect. And I said to the guy, I go, there's no installer in the world is going to fight with that mortar no, for won't. that first minute. They're just going to add more water. Now there's too much water in the mix and the mortar is not going to work properly. Probably within two years, that mortar was off the market. Wow. Wow. But you knew that right from the beginning. No, because you're right. No installer is going to fight it. No. They and, won't. And so the product was fine. And, you know, tested in the lab, it gets really right bond when you mix it properly. But if you don't mix it properly... Uh, the Schluter thin set. You're supposed to mix it for quite, a, you know, you read the instructions. There's so many minutes that you're supposed to mix. And then come back and do it again. Very few guys will mix it for that long. And, and who's doing it, all the mixes? The laborers. Right. 
And everyone wants to get in and out right? as fast as they can. Yeah, that's yeah, where's what I my mean. next bucket? I need another bucket. Come yes. on, come on, come on. Zzz, yeah. zzz, oh, that's good enough. But I need to mix it. So like, you're, he's going to put more water in there. Right. Well, so these the mortars these days need you really need to read the instructions on the bag, get accustomed to what the proper mixing water ratios are, and so on, how long to mix it, so on and so forth, and then you'll have much better success. Uh, with your installations than if you just kind of mix it by eye. Let me ask you something, Todd. What's the optimum thickness of thin set bed that you want to see underneath a large format tile? So when I say large format, 20, 24 by 24, I guess, because okay. that's become the standard now. First rule is 80 percent coverage that's a, okay. so whatever 80 so, percent is going to give you so sometimes you know and i've done tile installations where i go oh yeah i think this size notch trowel is going to be great so i install a couple of tiles i pull the tiles up to check the coverage and it's now it's not enough not enough so then i switch out to trowel or back butter with a notch trowel right so maybe yes. a quarter by quarter back butter on the on the tile the back of the tile and then a, a half by half or three eighths on the floor Put those two together, push them, pull up the tile, and then it's all stippled. You know, that, that, yep. that stipply look. You don't yep. see the trowel marks anymore. Great. I got good coverage. So how much mortar is underneath there? You need enough mortar underneath to give you that proper coverage. The 80% factor. At 80%. And, and then, you know, hopefully the floor has been leveled before you're installing the tile so you don't have to vary the thickness of your mortar bed yep. to compensate for an uneven floor. That would be probably my second most is level the floor. There's great self-levelers out there uh, that all kinds of companies make and level the floor, get it level, get it flat and smooth and then your tile installation is going to go in easy. The thickness of the mortar underneath is going to be consistent across the whole floor and it'll be easy to get a nice flat flat floor with your tile without spot bonding. So I think the cure to the spot bonding is to self-level the floor. Of course, yeah. Now you don't need to spot bond to get your floor level and you can then get your full coverage. But with all the self-levelers, you also <laughs> got to prime before you can start installing, right? Depending on the manufacturer. But as far as I know, most self-levelers, you require a primer. Most good self-levelers. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so, Self-levelers are very uh, moisture sensitive. Mm -hmm. In other words, if your substrate is dry and porous and it pulls water out of the self-leveling, your self-leveling is not going to like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you're going to have some potential issues. A primer is going to seal up that floor. So you're not going to lose moisture down into your substrate. And then your self-leveling can act the way it's supposed to, supposed to act. Doing things like putting coverings over your windows so direct sunlight doesn't get onto your self-leveler yeah because that's, that's going to make it dry wow. faster than the areas that are that. not even when you're setting tile um you have to remember that the maximum temperature for that mortar is 30 32 degrees celsius so if you have a dark colored tile and direct sunlight coming through the window that floor is going to get well above the maximum temperature of that mortar that's an excellent point so how do you you're blocking out the sun Tarps up on the windows, curtains, wow. paper, newspapers. Well, that way whatever. no one can see your tools either. <laughs> and, and no, but I never, it makes sense because, I mean, how many times have I self-leveled an area and it's wintertime and the heat's coming through the floor vent and it starts to dry around there? Or you start to dry where you can see where the HVAC runs are going. 
right that's affecting that that can that can negatively affect yeah cold air coming from the exterior door yeah. Yeah. warm air come or sunlight coming through the window i've seen commercial jobs where they poured concrete and the sun's coming through the window and you see a rectangle area in front of the window where all the concrete's cracked <laughs> and then you walk away from the window and there's no more cracks yeah. you walk to the next window and there's cracks because the sun was coming through the window when they're pouring the concrete while we're talking about heat one of my big problems is also i have guys building brand new houses and they don't have heat in their houses yet so i quote their bathroom or their foyers or kitchens and i ask them that they have to have heat in their house a lot of times i show up and there's no heat and the thin set takes forever to dry mm-hmm. so what is the lowest temperature that you can lay tile in before you start damaging it i like simple numbers to remember so 10 degrees is the coldest and 30 degrees is the highest celsius wow. so, for our american listeners right. sorry <laughs> um so it's just easy numbers for me now it could go down to eight Right, and it could probably go up to 32 or 34, you know. But those are easy ballpark numbers um, to to work by, and you have to remember that's the surface temperature. The mortar needs to be at that temperature. So I was at one job. The guy's doing an exterior job in the winter. He's got everything tarped out. He's got salamander heaters. He's got temperature thermometers hanging every, every you know, around the the like job site. And he says, "See, it's uh, it's 80 degrees." Yeah, but I already know where this is going. So his installer is on his knees, scraping frost off the ground. Ground. Wow. Temperature. The ground temperature. Now he's spreading mortar on, on top of this frozen substrate. The mortar is almost freezing as it goes over top of this uh, frost line. And the slump's going to change when you it, walk it's, away. It's, it's yeah. done. It's I, I went to one, one job site where the guys had the tile stored in an unheated garage, two pallets of it, and it was in the, there for a week. You know, middle of winter. And he's grabbing it as he's installing it? That's also a problem. So now he's got this frozen tile yeah. onto the thin set. It won't Hot. bond. It doesn't bond. It will not bond. Even I if know. it's back buttered. Even if it's back buttered. I was going to say, it's even it's if it's cold. James. It's too cold. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your tile has to be at the temperature. Your, your thin set has to be at the right temperature. And your substrate has to be at the right temperature. And the easiest thing Canadian tires got, or just go get one of those laser temperature gauge I have things. One, yeah. yeah, and just, and hit just it. take your take your. But it's funny how every other good. trade is so used to get the lumber inside, let it climatize, get the hardwood inside, let it climatize. Nobody ever thinks let's bring the tile inside and let it climatize. No, people and do. You know how long it takes for a, a carton of tile to heat up to the inside once it's gone how to long? like uh, it could be days because of the mass, right? Yeah. Well, because that's the same thing as thermal mess. Like, yeah. it's, right. you're, so it, once imagine it's cold. a pallet of tile. Yeah, you could bring a pallet of tile, put it in the heated garage, oh, and frozen. oh, we're gonna go install it's the tile frozen. tomorrow in two days. It's still frozen solid. These are good points, man. You never taught me any of this stuff. Well, I tried to force people to do this. For, I, I wasn't exactly the ten. I, I've been under the ten. Thank God, I never had any problems that yet that I know of. Because sometimes we all know that homeowners don't always call back the contractor and tell them the problems that they have had, which is a bigger problem because if you could call back your contractor and say, Hey, listen, this happened, that could stop that person from doing that in the future at many other people's homes. Right. Mm -hmm. So, well, the uh, one experience I had was uh, at a scout camp up near Huntsville and we're tiling one of the small bathrooms and we're using a fast set because I thought, you know, Temperature's a little cold, the uh, fast set will set up. Heat up. 
Well, there was about, I don't know, maybe a foot of Thinset left in the bucket after we did the small bathroom floor. Come back in the morning. Honest to God, I could still run my finger across the top of the Thinset in the bucket, and it was still transferring to my finger. It was a fast-set mortar. Wow. The tiles, I could still move them. Fast-set mortar because the temperature was down around freezing. So it never activated. It just... So you want to slow down a fast set, make it cold. Wow. But then it's not going to work but properly. But it won't work though at that point, right? So we were, I was like, oh, maybe we should rip out this thing and, you know, this is, this is going to fail. And he's, the guys go, well, let's put a heater in there, right? A little, little blower, blow across the floor. But does it change the chemistry? Probably didn't do good for the thin set. But we thought, well, you know what? If it survives the winter and in the spring, it's still good. It's good. If it's not, we'll rip it out and redo it. It survived. It's fine. So it's not that it's going to fail. It increases the likelihood. You're increasing the risk of a problem. Not that it's going to be 100% of the time it's going to be a problem. Get away with it. Sort of like having your kids play on the 401. They may survive. (laughs) And they may not. Yeah. (laughs) How much risk do you want to take, right? So Uh, another really good question that I always get, you know, I give them my answer, but I'd love to get yours. I always tell people to wipe their floor with water, clean the whole floor, like say if it's plywood or if it's concrete, you know, you need to do a concrete test to find out how porous the concrete is. What are some of the ways to do that? The simplest thing would just take a a damp mop and just damp, dampen the floor so that there's some moisture in the concrete or in the plywood or cement board or whatever so that when you spread your thin set you're not losing moisture moisture. into the into the substrate and the moisture stays in the mortar and it can hydrate the cement properly and then you get a good a much better result just dampen the floor in in some way and And, and we're not talking wet puddles of water no yeah um just a lazy guy who just dumps the bucket over and just sweeps it around there's been concrete i've wet cleaned it so it's clean and then like a couple minutes later, it's completely dry. And I'm like, we got to wet it again. Yeah, it, it can suck up. If the concrete is dry, it's, it can really eat up a lot of water. And it'll suck your mortar dry. I've seen, they call it burnt thin set. Wow. Um, and in, in some cases when it, it'll actually put air bubbles into the mortar. Like an arrow bar? Like Pretty close, yeah. Really? Well, not that extreme, but okay. there's little, little voids in the mortar. So that's a fracture? That's basically the, the water being sucked out of the mortar and the voids that's left from that water leaving the mortar creates these little bubbles. You can take your fingernail and just scrape off the, scrape the mortar off. That's disgusting. What's, uh, <laughs> what's TT Max's position on glass? Because glass is glass? glass tile. Glass. glass is glass. Glass is like, <laughs> that's, it, you know, yeah, it, many. It, there's four different manufacturing methods for glass. Each one has its own characteristics. It is, it's a uh, pain in the ass. Uh, glass. Glass, yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's very uh, tricky. Yeah. Uh, it's tricky to bond to. It's tricky to not to have moisture come through. You can, you know, some of it's very translucent. You can see through it. So you can see what's in behind trawl marks and trawl things. marks and substrate and, and, and yeah. so on. So it's, it's, it's a little bit risky, but you know, I think as an, as an accent, um, it's one thing as a main tile for a large area. 
Well, people are getting into, I don't know if you've seen these slabs where they're, they're like slab sizes. So they're five foot by 10 foot with a glass image or sorry, an image like a wallpaper image behind glass. And the sales rep are suggesting that glass installers install this. And I disagree with it. I still think that it should be a tile installer installing this, but it is still glass. And then I've quoted a couple of jobs. And by the time we did all the R&D on it to quote it properly, the clients went away from it. They just said, we don't want to deal with it. But I've seen a huge trend come from Europe with these huge slabs you, as accent you, you, pieces. You have to remember that when the first porcelain panels came out, everybody was nervous. Nobody knew how to install them. Yeah. The manufacturers of the tile don't come out with installation methods for their product. They go, well, that's up to the thin set and the tile installation guys to figure out. It took the industry five years to figure it out. It was a while. You I, know, and to come up with standards and, and so on. So in terms of the uh, large porcelain panels, there is an ANSI standard for the product and there's an ANSI standard for the installation of the product. So because these large porcelain panels are becoming very, very popular, if anybody that's listening and is going to be involved in a project with that, get those standards. Get those standards for both. for both installation and for the product and follow what's in those standards because that is developed to help the, the, this product because they're making the product, it's being installed, and we want it to be installed correctly because then it's a happy, successful Every installation. Every installer I know is tackling these slabs. Yeah. They're becoming on-site fabricators, on-site installers now, slabs. And because people don't want the joints, they don't want the ground lines. Well, right. things are changing now. They're going to Venetian, fin like they're going to finishes yeah, now. Yeah, that's too. I'm seeing that. Yeah, it's no longer large format. But I'd be afraid of a window guy installing. No, no, I didn't my say glass, a window guy. I said a glass using guy. Silicone. A glass guy, because the way they would know how to cut the product. That was the other thing. Is because you have to be careful on how you cut it. There's, there's glass blades out there for tile saws or for any kind of mechanical device, but it still doesn't cut it perfectly. Scoring it cuts it perfectly, but then you still have to polish it depending on the application or the install or what's going to happen. But yeah. glass kind, is an animal. That kind of tile is is at the cutting edge, yeah. and I, I would argue that there He's is He's full no of the puns today, huh? <laughs> <laughs> He's a smart guy. <laughs> and the industry is just not fully... We're not there yet. ...there yet and to know exactly how to, to install these, these, yeah. these products uh, successfully. That's why we quoted it a certain way. We were like, well, hang on a sec. If we break this slab or we improperly install it, we're eating the cost of this slab. One thing I want to mention about the one of the services that the association provides is an inspection service. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. So the inspection service, let's say you have a installation that goes, goes weird and you're like, why did this happen? Or you think you did the proper installation, customers blaming you, or you know, you're in a, in a situation. So for a fee, uh, we'll send an inspector to the job site and he goes, follows the installation manual to make sure that everything's installed properly, does his observations, uh, brings it back, and there's a committee of 12 people that review the inspection wow. observations. I, I want to be on the team. And <laughs> those 12 people determine, you know, the results. So it's not the, the guy that goes to the site that determines what went wrong. He's just there to collect the information and pictures and diagrams and blah, blah, blah. And then this committee reviews that and they come up with, a, with the result. Solution. The yeah. solution. And that is... You know, you can 
put that in evidence in, in, a, in a court case if you needed to. Wow. So that is a service that is available. It holds water. It's not like you go and put Mike Holmes' How to Tile book on the judge's thing and this is evidence, this is the way you're supposed to do it. That doesn't, even though it may be a great book, <laughs> it doesn't hold water in court where where this uh, inspection service does so you know we've we have uh, terry on <laughs> uh, and and all kinds of builders and that use the service to you know determine where so you the, could, it, is it feasible for a custom home builder like a small fry to do this is i guess it's worth it depends on the scope of what the issue is right yeah well a lot of the tile installations now are m many thousands of dollars yeah and when it huge. goes bad it's huge money to to fix so to call in the service for you know five eight hundred dollars depending on the circumstances and location, I, I like that it's collected it's, and it presented to a group that wasn't there so they're not there's persuaded. no bias yeah yeah i, I like that a lot everybody has a bias right of course uh, i like this i like that whatever but um, when you have a group like that, the bias is, is, is so, it's gone. So is there a program that say, say I want to, I used to be able to call you all the time and you would just answer the phone every time, didn't matter what time it was. And you'd be like, what do you want? <laughs> and I'd say, um, I'm doing this project, blah, 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 blah. And you would, you would tell me exactly what to do. And I had you as a helpline, which I've never got from anybody else's services, like any, but no one ever gave me that customer service that you did. Do you have somebody like that, that you can pay into to like say monthly call somebody every time you're getting a job and you want to say, you know, these are the scenarios, this is the deflection, blah, blah, blah. And they can answer all your questions before you start the job. So you don't get into that. That's actually interesting. That's something that we've been talking about on the board of directors is to have a pre-installation service to go in and say, okay, you are going to put this tile in front of this ATM machine. Bad idea because it's not going to wear properly because it's not the right choice of tile. That we can sense. review like review the the job sites. That could be good for architects, could be good for builders, contractors, to make sure that what they're planning to do is the right thing before they do it, rather than finding out after that. Yeah, um, you got to remove glass, you got to remove tubs, you got to work around it. That's crazy. Yeah. So I went. There's a there's one project where they specified uh, ungauged uh, slate and wanted less than one millimeter of lippage. Well, the, wow. unga the ungauged slate varies by four millimeters. <laughs> so how are you supposed to do an installation when the tile varies by four millimeters in thickness and you want one millimeter of... of a chisel and a hammer? Well, yeah, you'd have to install and then go Basically around... Basically carving and, it and, as you and, go. And, and it's, it's un, you know, so before the job started, it should have been already flagged and said, look, yeah. this is, this is not, not going to work. So we don't have that service yet. We only have the inspection service. But um, um, that was something interesting that we, we did talk about that. Because point. of you, I have a great relationship with Centura. Typically, I bother those guys all the time. And that's why I don't call you anymore. Plus, you change he, your phone number on me. <laughs> <laughs> but those Same guys, phone number for 22 years. Uh, well, I guess I may have been calling the wrong number or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so anyways, Matt and those guys always yeah. before. And I lay tile all the time. I keep asking and asking and and i probably drive them nuts but they always tell me you know uh, watch this watch that because they're the ones that go out to see the callbacks on guys like me or anyone else right 
So it's nice to have a helpline, right, before you start instead mm-hmm. of getting, like you said. So I hope this program gets up because it'd be a really great number for people to call before they start a job and price it. Another service that uh, the association has is uh, slip resistance testing on any tile surface. So it, it can be done uh, before the tile's installed. So you can bring a box of tiles here. They'd run the tests and they tell you what the slip resistance level is. It's, it's a dynamic coefficient of friction testing. It's a new standard that came out a few years ago and it's going to be revised early next year. Um, is this barefoot and also it's, it's tested wet, wet, but are you barefoot or wearing shoes? It's a machine that tests the, the, the coefficient. The reason I bring it up is I don't know why, but on this show, I probably am picking out the sales reps a lot. in a lot of these tiles shops, I've seen tiles that they've recommended for wet applications and I disagree with it. But I yeah. would take that box and bring it to you guys and then get it tested mm-hmm. to verify that. But and you, you got salespeople that don't install the product, first of all, but are saying that it can be used because I guess they're getting the information from the supplier. Yeah, it's only as good as what the original source of the information is. So we can bring do the tiles in-house or we can take the, uh, the, the tool on-site and see what the slip resistance is on-site. You know, see, that would work better because you've got a showroom. So they'll have a section there, and then you guys can test we can, it. We can, we can do it there, or we can do it on site. After it's installed, maintenance can change the slip resistance of the tile over Like time. wax and so on? Right, but the, you put the wrong finish on there, yeah. or, or, or there's yeah. dirt, or a little bit of you know, whatever. Anyways, con- contaminations of some kind uh, can change. Or if the tile's been in for you know 10 years with a lot of heavy traffic in a shopping mall or or store, how is that surface now going to be in terms of slip resistance? So for lawsuits and, and so on and so forth, it's a great tool to use to go and say, well, you know what, our floor doesn't meet the requirement and uh, it's a liability. How much is that in a number? Is there a number or is it free right now? No, nothing's free in this world, my friend. <laughs> well, some um, things are good relationships, sir. <laughs> so, um, a test is around $250. Okay, that's good because if guys are listening and for myself, I can now put that on my, like I have a sheet and I talk to the customers, do you want this? Do you want that? No, scratched off, initial it. That means that you've now void that warranty. Good. And I go down that list and at the end of the list, they pretty much said they don't want anything. But when they have the call back, they want me to fix it. And there is no warranty. So, you know, like homeowners always say to me, well, what's your warranty? And I'm like, well, it depends on our relationship. Because if you were a great customer to me, it's for life. And if you were a shit customer to me, there's none. (laughs) And that's the honest truth. And people don't want to hear that, right? Because I've run into problems with, with products. And I'd like to talk about one or two of them. I've run into problems where after the product fails, I'm stuck with just some thin set or some material, but not the demolition or the removal of the product, right? I mean, it's nice to hear that you've gotten this far with technology to be able to figure this out even before we get into this trouble, right? Yeah. If the tile is, is going into an area where uh, slip and fall can be a problem, you know, spend the 250 to get it tested. No, or make the supplier of the tile accountable supply, for it. Supply the, the, Do you've got the, a phone number you want to send out there? <laughs> no, no, you can reach out to TT Mac. Okay, reach out they can to do that. Right? And, uh, the, the, I totally forgot that you could, we, like, tile installers or anybody that's in the industry can become a member, no? Right. So the membership is made of 
two classifications. One is a supplier, so manufacturers and distributors, as well as tile installers and tile contractors. So I should say contractors. So they're businesses that are members, not individual people. Got it. Okay. In the U.S., they have an uh, association for distributors, an association for manufacturers, another association for, for installers. So they have three different associations. Mm. Big country, Pretty they can afford that. Whereas in Canada, we have one association that combines everybody that's in the industry, including the terrazzo people and the stone people who are in the U.S. They, again, have their own association, separate. everything mm. separate. There's some advantages and disadvantages, but uh, um, that's... So anybody that's really... Any business that's in the tile business and does tile, I strongly recommend to consider becoming a member. Is um, it, what's, what's the cost there, Todd? Is it crazy? It, it, it's based on uh, uh, volume of, of business. So if you're like a million dollars or more, then you pay about $1,000 a year. And then... And then uh, I do about a job a, a year. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. So, I, we, we, we're, um, so that's that's the membership. Um, there is one other. Uh, how much time do we have left? We have plenty of for time. you. Plenty of time. Any time. Okay. One other uh, uh, venture that we're, our association is going into, and was the we did a survey of our members a few years back and said, what is the biggest thing that you want from the association? Because when when you think about it, the association is in the members. We have two staff that work full time. And then the whole board of directors are all volunteers uh, from our membership. What does our members want? Um, and they said, we want some regulation of tile installers in our industry. Because we desperately need it. It's wild, wild west, right? It is. And yeah. we need education. And I want to get to that because, uh, again, you know, you having, when like me going back 22 years ago when you were here and using Schluter back then and a lot of people weren't using it, the education I got from here over and over and over again, every time I came to a class, it didn't matter. Some people would say, oh, I took that course. I've taken that course 20 times. And every time I speak to you, I learn something because something changes and, you know, we're evolving in construction. But there's no courses for people to take a tile course like they did the Schluter course. Like when I came in and I was here for two days, I got to learn about trowels. I screwed up on the trowel space. <laughs> but <laughs> I learned how to do sand beds and I understood the product and how it went together. But we still don't have anything like there publicly no known for a school for laying tile. And right. since you're that head company, a corporation, are you thinking about maybe for the membership having someone like me that has three or four guys that wants to bring them in for two or three days to learn all about tiles the proper way from the right person instead of through my experiences that's exactly where we're going so the first thing we did because you have to remember we're a national association so we have to do something that's going to be canada-wide yeah mm, challenges right bc <clears throat> quebec ontario so Different what, ways the first thing we did was we figured online course can get to anybody anywhere very easily. So we created the tile in installation course. It's a set of 15 modules that covers, and it's based on the tile installation manual. And it covers all the different aspects, substrates, underlayments, tile, troweling. It goes through everything that you need to know. So if you take that course, after each module, you have to pass a, a quiz. 
to get into the next module. You go through this course and quite honestly, we've had people that have been in the industry for decades and they go, ooh, I learned a few things. <laughs> no, this is great <laughs> it's to hear. Right? Um, and, and it covers off the basics, okay? So it's a great building block for the next step. Whether you're a tile installer or you hire tile installers. Or a salesman. Or a salesperson. Designer. Should take that course because then you'll have a good base knowledge of what's required. You know, what's the difference between an underlayment and a subfloor? Things like that. So that is a very valuable tool. It's only a few hundred bucks uh, available online. Boom, boom, boom. Each course is a few hundred bucks? Or no, no, no. The whole, the whole 15 thing. modules is, oh, okay. is uh, it's That's not very really expensive. Good. I think I'm going to take it. And, mm-hmm. and, and try it out because it's, it's great. And it's basically slides with a voiceover and it explains it and shows pictures. And it's, 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 it's no. a work in progress still. We're trying to, you know, one of the modules we missed that was brought to our attention was uh, health and safety. What's that? Uh, so <laughs> exactly blade in the eye, uh, your, your pores, uh, the thin set sucking out, or even, uh, like Manny uh, the other day, he was saying, wow, my hands are really dry. Um, the protein <laughs> cells, the protein cells are drying up and you're you going to bring that up. Well, I, I mean, it happens to me all the time. I'm at one point, my fingers. No, were, but here's were the truth, Todd, is that I, I was using a grout that I've always used and I wasn't wearing gloves, but I was doing a thousand square feet of tiling. It was all day long that we're grouting. And then I spoke to the tile installer and he goes, were you wearing gloves? And I was like, no. He goes, you better soak them in Vaseline now. <laughs> or and and sure all. enough, yeah, they started tingling. They started yeah. kind of acting <laughs> funny. And then I speak to him and he's like, starts telling me about the whole CSI science class and, <laughs> and protein this and protein that. And, and he goes, you, the, the, the product actually uh, uh, soaked out all your proteins from your skin and that's what you have to replenish. And then he went on the whole thing about it. Well, I mean, grout is uh, alkaline, right? Yeah. So what did, what did, in CSI, what did they dissolve bodies in the barrels with? Is It's with uh, with lime. I don't watch which TV. Which is uh, <laughs> very alkaline, right? Just so you're basically Narcos, okay? dissolving your body by using <laughs> yes, grout uh, without, uh, without so, gloves. So I learned I've seen my chemical lesson. burns. Guys came into our workshop and they were burned right up to their elbows. Oh. Uh, all red chemical burns from, from grouting. My pointing finger, <laughs> Scottish, and was, and, Irish, and, and you have to remember each color of grout is a slightly different chemistry. Yeah, so it's not the same. So you can be grouting with one color, and you're, you're fine, perfectly okay. fine, and then all of a sudden you hit that one color that your body doesn't like, and boom. Yeah, uh, my my uh, pointing yeah. finger is very dry a lot of times. <laughs> um, but Speaking I, of which, you know, you're getting ahead of yourself. It, it's Green Book time. Oh, yeah? you don't want to hey, talk about safety? Yeah, you brought up let's safety. Do it. Let's talk about safety <laughs> with Carlito there. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, we haven't played this game in a while, so I'm gonna ask you a question. Technically, and, and Todd, it's not a game. It's just it's, it's my no game. prize. There's no it's my game. Yeah, there's no there's no prize. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna ask you how much do you think the penalty will be for the infraction? So. Right now, the biggest problem in commercial or in a lot of like larger work areas, you have to wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask and you get caught, what is the fine? How much? I'm gonna say five fifty. Nope. Uh, I'm gonna say three thousand. No, it's two hundred and forty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's an actual fact. You'll get a warning, but if you if it does take it to that point, the first charge is two hundred and forty bucks. So I just figure because everyone's into the masks lately, we'll talk about oh, job ta- site you're, masks. You're talking about masks for COVID. 
Yeah, just or yeah. or like because that's like the big N95 thing. Right Ninety-five masks for uh, mixing things. Yeah. if you work for the city, you if dust. you work for the city, or you do commercial work, or you're, you're going to have to wear a mask these days. Yeah. and the law enforcement's going around; they're warning people. But for the guys that aren't taking the warnings seriously, the first fine is two hundred forty dollars. That's so. that's reasonable. I thought it was going to be something crazy. Yeah. So well, you guys are working on this, on on the health and safety, adding more to TT Mac. Right. So we're we're going to come up with uh, eventually a module that just talks about safety. You know, grounding your your water saw properly, so you don't wow. get electrocuted. Well, make sure that you don't cut off. <laughs> but it's your a water things. saw plug, and just put on a regular Joe plug on it or something like yeah. that. Or like, or things like wearing a proper mask when you're mixing mixing thinset, any material because you got silica dust and then yeah. and so on and uh, vermicula. Um, <laughs> All kinds you know, of stuff. The, the, those those kind of things, you know, knee, you know, wearing knee pads and safety shoes and all that kind of thing. Before we go too far, I wanted to say to you, some of the best contractors I know cannot read and write. Like there's some really great contractors out there. They can have a great conversation with you. They're lots of common sense, great with their hands. So when it comes to trying to learn things outside of their comfort zone, do you think of maybe that you might make it a little bit more friendly for the people that aren't good at reading or going on the computers? Is that something that you might want to think about? Because I've been one of those guys and, you know, I've changed in the last 20 years, but it's taken me a long time to grow and develop, right? Those online modules, the 15, it's all voiceover. You don't have to read. There's, there's writing on the slides and whatnot, but somebody there is reading by basically talking about it. So you don't need to be able to read to be able to it's uh, fantastic to that. but they're all they're all in english right um english and french it's going to be english and french yeah. and croatian it's not <laughs> Croatian. i doubt if anything it's going to be italian and portuguese mandarin <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry no i just i just find that uh, now that i i do this more than i ever have i see a lot of guys that are afraid and they're afraid to learn and develop and grow and they have these opportunities and I think that this is a fantastic opportunity, just like it was 22 years ago with me and with you. It changed my whole life. And I think it could change a lot of really good guys out there for the better. Mm -hmm. yeah. We have a new program starting early next year, probably February, where it's a one-day installation challenge. So it's, we're calling it the, it's a TTMAC program called the uh, Canadian Certified Tile Installer. What's that readout to? Canadian? CCTI. CCTI. And what it is, it's a one-day installation challenge. Kitty. Okay. <laughs> that if, if you cut the mustard after your installation's been evaluated, you become certified. Wow. Okay. And it is not easy. So this is for the pros out there. This is for, for the pros or the guys that think they're pros. Mm. It's basically two, two walls with a niche and one curb. And I have to walk tile two walls and a curb and one niche. Give you six and a half hours to do the installation. And then you're basically judged on the, the handbook as to you know lippage, grout variation. Uh, I love um, it. A coverage of uh, thin set, uh, how the movement joint's done in the inside corner, blah, 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 right? And there's a whole evaluation process that uh, the evaluators go through step by step and certain aspects get certain levels of uh, points. And if you get 80%, you pass. 80%. And, oh. Yeah. 
and we had a trial run in Vancouver, more more as a learning thing for us to see what we need to do to make make this work. And out of five guys, uh, nobody passed. What? Or nobody would have passed. It wasn't a for real thing. It was for uh, a trial. But wow. Nobody would have passed. They would have all failed. So uh, how did you guys come up with six and a half hours to do that much work? One of the uh, guys that's in the committee that's developing the CCTI program out of Calgary, he's a tile contractor. And he took one of his guys that was a good tile installer and had him tile it. How long did it take him? It took him six hours, so threw on another half an hour and said, okay, we'll give it six and a half hours. Interesting. I wonder who would be up for this. Eh? I am. I would love to take that. That would be a great certificate to brag about again. Right, so it's a two-part thing. There's what if a- you fail? I'd rewrite it. I go until I learn. You yeah, don't well, walk away from it and, and, and put your tail between your legs. You keep coming back until well, you get it. Well, then you learn what you did wrong, right? Yeah. So what, what, what did I do? You know, and, and if you don't pass we sh- and you ask, we'll show you pictures and comments of, of where things went, went wrong and where you lost your marks so that you know what you did wrong so you can, you can improve and, uh, and do it right. Yeah, I've rewrote my CVOR three times. And then so, I finally got it. Now I know the answers. Right. Yeah. So um, before you get the hands-on challenge, you have to pass an online written test, which we were talking about the guys that can't maybe read very well, uh, how we're going to deal with those guys. And we're still trying to come up with a solution there. Yeah. But there's gonna, there has to be a certain level of knowledge. So if you take those 15 modules, that course... Your chances of passing the written test for the CCTI is pretty good. Be much better. Okay, um, we provide uh, them with one of the manuals because the test is all all the answers in the manual. It's an open book test. You do it at home. Open up the book. Find the answers. Can I have test. you over that night? that's just a joke (laughs) but you know uh, we we were considering having people come into a room and write the test and all that kind of stuff and then we're like no no no, that's 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 not gonna logistically let them do their homework online let them get their answers and then let them get in in front of the the wall and and get it done it shows who's serious yeah right so starting when that's in february probably going to be the first for real one is going to be in in february um, because we got to get the the test written, it's going to be an online thing, so we got to figure out how to put it online and make it work. Is there a fee on that? Yes, um, I th- nothing's free. Think remember, I think it's a uh, five six hundred dollars somewhere in that range. We won't quote. Are you, you allowed to rewrite? Yes, in that. So, okay. So what we we haven't determined the cost yet, um, but we will by the time the course starts. Is if let's say you passed the written and didn't pass the the hands on. You can just take the hands on again without having to take to the, do written. the written again. If you fail the written, you don't get to do the hands on. That makes sense. You have to take the, the written yeah. again. So if you paid for the whole enchilada and you don't pass the, the written, you can pay a nominal f- fee to take the written again. So you could, like, you, you know, take it two, three times. You finally pass, go do the hands on. You know, Jeez. if you pass, great. If you don't, nominal to redo the uh to redo the test this type of course has been running in the u.s it's called a cti so we added a c to the canadian (laughs) (laughs) i like it gotta give those guys credit i thought it was croatian sorry (laughs) 
the, Amer- the American test is is, is uh, again very very difficult, and they but they use uh, four and a quarter wall tile with bullnose, and nobody installs that anymore. I was going to ask you. Yeah, it's so like the fifty sixties. Are you yeah, doing? I love it. You're doing tile edge on the the niche, I guess. So tile edge on the you're niche. You're doing a we're stone installing threshold for twelve the... by twenty four inch tile. Beautiful, right? So it's stuff that you would normally the, the normally easy install. Stuff. Yeah, the easy. You stuff. like that? It I is. thought for a second it's the there, basic stuff. Like, I thought you were going to ask us to miter. Everything's like fifty <laughs> inches now by fifty <laughs> inches, and like you know, lar- you know, everything's going large format. Next to the bragging rights, does that certificate? Are you? interacting with corporations that will say hey who's your certified guys and i'd get work from that what's going to happen and a lot of the well all the tile contractors that are on on our board of directors they can't wait to put their guys through it and they can't wait to go and say hey my company has ccti installers right you hire my company we're going to put ccti guy on your job site there's a line Mm -hmm. right so if you're comparing one company to another, one has CCTI installers and the other doesn't, I mean, gives them a leg up. As a CCTI, um, you get a hard, like a credit card style with your photo on there wow. with a, a distinctive number, a QR code on. So a customer can take a shot of your QR code, takes them straight to the TT Mac website. There's this picture. You know, when he took the test, his number and everything else, so he can be validated that this guy really is and really has passed the test. So the only thing I probably have an issue with, because I'm not a huge competitor, is the time limit. Because some guys do amazing work and they may take a little bit longer to do that, so they might think it through longer. So they does the time limit really justify saying that you're as good as the next person? That's a good point, man. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. I'm not a good tile installer. I know how to install tile properly. So when I tiled my kitchen, it took me a week and a half. <laughs> Did a great job. <laughs> Should I be a CCTI installer? No. 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 Okay. That's a good point. Now, I got the proper coverage. There's no lippage. Everything's done properly. But I'm not at that level. So there has to be a time limit because anybody given enough time can do a good job, including right. myself. So you guys are creating the top gun of tiling. That's what you're doing. That's you're, it. you're looking for Maverick and Iceman. Yeah. Right? <laughs> How come I'm Iceman? <laughs> you can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> I don't like the way that movie ended. <laughs> um, okay, Todd, we got to wrap it up eventually. What? Yeah. No, this has been such a great talk because it's like been really informing. We need like, him I mean, back this, then. This is insane. Like, no, no, we're not done, done, done. Oh, okay, good. We, we still got a couple of things to do. So but on, on that topic of training, though. Yeah. So we decided we're going to do the online thing. So that gives you the basics. Then we're going to give you the end result where you're a good tile installer and you're tested and qualified. Okay. And then we're going to work backwards and start doing courses on how to, to tile. So maybe how to tile large porcelain tiles or how how to do this or how to do that. (laughs) Maybe not glass quite yet. We'll get to that in three or four years when when, when the industry figures out what to do with big, glass panels <laughs> but um, um and then start teaching the the skills so that like you said you want to come with your guys for for a day or two and learn well after the price i think i'll just be i do like myself. it I, I do like it I, I i like that you're you're listening to the industry that's what i like yeah. you're listening to the industry and you're trying to separate 
the really good apples by the spoiled rotten apples you know what i mean because everybody everybody comes in and, and i'm in thailand star i'm a thailand star and then we've all seen bad work man like we all seen horrendous work i like that a lot well too. what's what i find interesting is that that would get you tons of commercial work and that's where the forgiveness is and that's where the most money is like i find that commercial you can make a lot of money laying tile and there's a lot a lot of forgiveness this would really change the ball game the commercial industry would get a better tile setter now which would change those standards again, which would probably trickle downwards to residential and give them some competition now too, right? Yeah, and I think it's commercial, there's value for CCTI and commercial as well as, as, as residential. There's value to the customer that's hiring the tile installer. Yeah. There's also value to the con tile contractor that's hiring installers. The guy's running you know, 20 crews, he needs a 21st crew. The guy, oh, I, I know how to set tile how does he how do you qualify the guy yeah right well go do this job let's see how well you do well no, you screw if he's up already and, showing up at the ccti then, and then you, you already have an dunk, idea right, right? Yeah. yeah so uh there's value there there's value to to their suppliers that you know are just like pulling their hair out they want to spending half my time going out to bad installations because customers aren't happy with our product you know they're blaming the tile Oh, something wrong with the tile. That's why it's cracked. Oh, no. I'll always blame the tile. <laughs> no, so. but I mean, also, tile is a tough trade. It's, it's it's a very hard trade. Stressful. You got a lot of young guys. You got a lot of old school guys that have beaten up their bodies to a certain point that Thanks. they're on hands and knees all the time. That's just their their movements now because they're so used to doing it. But the young guys are really beating up their bodies. It's a hard trade. It is. I would love to see more ways of teaching these young guys, because you can't teach the old guys, how to tile smarter, not harder. You know what I mean? I, like maybe use better knee pads, use better this or better that, or uh, I don't know. I, I'd seen that. No, wheel, you're totally right. Like something. It's a tough, because a lot of guys will get in and they'll get out. I've seen them get out. And the thing is that you start talking to clients and then you start telling them, yeah, he's really good. He's 25 to 35 a square to install, not yeah. including the material. And then they start freaking out because they're used to getting a price on Kijiji for $3 a square. Yeah, good luck. Um, so it's tough, right? I'm just trying to... No, you're, you're totally right. Great point. Brain fart? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, no, I was going to get into that. but <laughs> Todd, did we cover everything? I think we covered uh, a bunch. We talked about a lot of things, yeah. I mean, I really want people to reach out to you guys and then and, and, and then inquire about it and definitely join the association. And the courses are amazing. And the actual competition... Well, certification is what it's certification called. Certification is, is going to, I think, yeah. it's going to... That's going to change things now. It will. And and the buzz on social media, we posted a few things when we did the, the first trial run in Vancouver, and there's people going, when's I want to go? I want to bring all my guys. I want I want to do this. Six hours or six and a half hours? We, it, that might change because we're still tweaking the, the, the whole test, but uh, it is doable if you know what you're, you know what you're doing. I did want to say something about the certificate, and then I'll leave it at that. The other day, I got a phone call from one of my buddies. He's a, a really big a commercial contractor. He was doing a military project. They were asking for a, a certified Schluter installer. He just couldn't get anyone with a certificate. So I got the phone call to come and do the work. And I just think that that certificate 
is that important to land jobs? Like, and it will be even more important. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fantastic idea. I, I can't wait to so, take the course. So actually, to your point, uh, any CCTI installer that takes a, um, and this is the next step in the evolution of the program. So if you go to, to Schluter training, you'll be recognized that you've taken that training on your CCTI certificate. Look at that. So if you then go to the MAPEI training or the Ardex training or Lam and M's uh, panel training or whatever it is, that'll be recognized on on your CCTI as well. Wow. Um, and that's going to then encourage manufacturers and suppliers to do more training because their training will be recognized in the association's certification. Is it easy to say those words, MAPEI and Ardex, from you? Nah. <laughs> you know, um, the, the real competition isn't other companies in our industry it's other industries like, like lvt and and carpet good and, point very good point and, and that sort of thing that's that's what competes with us yeah sure we compete for for the tile industry stuff quite honestly on the board of directors somebody from from mapay somebody from ardex somebody from sika all the main companies are on the board because it's our industry and we want the industry to be strong and healthy and we want the end customer to say we want tile or we want terrazzo or stone because it's good if the industry is allowed to just turn into the to wild wild west it's almost like the roofing industry has um <laughs> you're not wrong um, i know it, it's gonna hurt unfortunately well fortunately for the roofers everybody needs a roof mm -hmm. so you can't say no i'm not going to have a roof where with tile people can say mom i'm not going to have tile i'm going to use something else do you see a shortage in tile setters oh yeah yeah it's a tough trade time. man you know you see the future is going to be pretty bad for a lack of tile setters because it is one of the hardest trades i believe that the solution to and this is my personal opinion is immigration and if our government does a good job of bringing in more the right immigrants right so you say okay what we don't have enough bricklayers okay that's what Open they did the in the 60s and 70s and to 80s fill, to yeah. fill the need and yeah. and if if that's the the, the immigration policy uh we'll we'll be doing great because they'll just let people in to fill the the void you know i tried to convince my son i said you know don't do the computer stuff set tile you'll make a much better living no, he wants to work with computers, and that's what his passion is, and that's fine. But on that note about immigrants, I, I will say they do amazing work. From where they're coming from, the work that they do is like, I, I know that everybody's in a bubble here in North America, and we think that we are the epicenter, and we do the best work <laughs> in construction. And I'm like, I can't shake my hand fast enough to show a jerky motion. It's total BS. <laughs> like The thing is that... Lots of great work around the world. <laughs> Lots of great work. And I, I totally agree with you 100%, Todd, that we should be bringing in more to get them to work here and prove their worth and then also show their skill set. They are desperately in demand. Not just tile trade, concrete, mason, all these trades, these tough trades that a lot of the North Americans don't want to do. We could reach, we could change that too. We have to like somehow encourage them to, to see what they have here you know, before they lose the opportunity. Political. Uh, you know, the other thing too with COVID, immigration's uh, dried up. Mm -hmm. So now you're looking at the baby boomers are retiring. 
that's a big demographic that's leaving huge. the workforce. It's huge. So where are you going to find people to fill those jobs? We're flying to Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not and, joking. Let's go. Hang on <laughs> one sec. Hang on one sec. With immigration uh, basically uh, down to a trickle for year number two, um, we could be in trouble because that normally is a half a million people filling those jobs. It has and to start now bouncing those back. people aren't there, so all no. you do is drive down the street and you see help wanted, help wanted, help wanted. I was yeah. in a meeting earlier this week with uh, one company and the guy just dropped me like a hot potato to go do an interview because the guy came in for an interview. He says, oh my God, I got somebody. They were so happy to, to, wow. to because the companies are giving signing bonuses for regular you know, dishwasher, 50 grand a year for a dishwasher. Wow. Because the restaurant can't function without people. No, it's kind of, that's a whole other argument there. It's insane. It's bad. So the way it is. Um, you know, and you've it, got the funny thing is you've got people that want to come to this country yeah. and they want to work. And they all have certain skill sets. Skills. I know. And you just have to match up the, the demand with the with the skill set of the would be immigrant and uh, it's time for Oh, it's time for <laughs> um, Don't tell me I have to sing again. <laughs> It's time for... Uh, no, no, you don't. No. Is it the 12 questions? No, man. The OBC talk. <laughs> oh, the OBC. Man, we're only Let there. me ask you, gentlemen. I thought you were past that. <laughs> in the OBC, the Ontario Building Code, this is a true or false for you guys. Do you have to use mildew-resistant ceiling compound for tubs against tile? True or false? I would say true. Todd? But the minimum code might not require it. <laughs> mm, that's so true. So I'm going to say no. Carlito's right. It, it, is, it is in the code. It's uh, 9.29.10.5. Joints between tiles and bathtub require a mildew-resistant ceiling compound. And that's... here's to me. <laughs> <laughs> you win the first prize. <laughs> Do I get another book? <laughs> so I just want to quickly go over uh, what can go wrong with tiling. Top 10 things you guys can think of. Just start naming them off. See if you guys hit any of them. 10 things, mistakes. Just 10 tiling mistakes. Lack of movement joints. Improper coverage. Yes, yes. Spot bonding. <laughs> no, that's not even <laughs> on there. Set. <laughs> uh, miscalculations with number of tiles needed, not removing excess grout, discovering and fixing mistakes too late, not using battens, choosing the wrong adhesive, dotting corners, grouting uneven, unevenly or too quickly, and unprepared services is wow. the number one one, which we, you started this whole talk about, mm -hmm. which is really, really paramount. We have one final segment there, Todd, because you never answered these questions before. We have the 12 questions of construction. Yes, Ooh. I love this. This one's easy. This is fun. It's got no singing involved. <laughs> what is your favorite construction word? Level. Yeah. <laughs> what is your least favorite construction word? Unlevel. Yeah. <laughs> what turns you on in construction? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not really. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Uh, a really, really fine job. Like, nice finish. Uh, quality. Quality. Like that workmanship that goes, wow, Passion, this yeah. is really, really nice. Yeah. What turns you off in construction? A really bad <laughs> tile installation. <laughs> what is your favorite curse word? Schluda. <laughs> no, it's not. That's no, not I'm a just curse word. <laughs> no, one, one of the ones I've, I've started using a lot uh, is uh, fucktard. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Uh, what is your favorite vehicle? 
Anything in the world. Anything? Anything in the world. There's so many. Manny said horse. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he said space shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> that if I could have vehicle. <laughs> I would want that vehicle. <laughs> I think your fuel cost might be a little high, but... <laughs> It's going electric. I don't know how green it is. Yeah, electric rockets. <laughs> it's going electric. <laughs> oh, at least we can have fun. Oh, man. Uh, I, I would like I to once ha- own like a Ferrari. Yeah. And rip that around. <laughs> and so please catch me and then I'd lose my Ferrari. <laughs> what is your least favorite vehicle? Oh, probably a Lada. A uh, Lada. I'm glad it wasn't a Yugo. <laughs> <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you love? C- I'm sorry, construction sound or noise do you love? I guess skill saw. A skill saw. Wow. Yeah. That's funny coming from a town guy. Yeah. Well, he's cutting substrate. <laughs> <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you hate? <laughs> it's going electric. <laughs> You know, you know, what I, I hate is, you know, when a dump truck, the, the gate closes when it's finished? Oh, that slam. Oh, I know. I, I know it's coming, and it still freaks me out. You always think that, like, you're pinching a finger or something's going to, yeah, that's a good one. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, well, he just became president. <laughs> I know, he's taking on more occupations. Um, probably a space shuttle uh, <laughs> <laughs> pilot. <laughs> Are you gonna? You realize that he said that they use PL, right? The glue on the space shuttle. That's how they adhere all the tiles to yes. the space shuttle. Uh, it's going electric. What profession would you not like to do, Todd? I wouldn't want to be a lawyer. Uh, hmm. I fucking hate lawyers. <laughs> I just fucking hate them. It's close to home base, eh? Uh, last question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Probably welcome. That's it, Todd. Thank you very much. One serious answer, anyway. No, no, it's good, man. Thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure to see you again, man. And and congrats on this. And and, and I love that you're changing things up, man. I love that you're adding so much more into the industry that is desperately needing it, honestly. And, you know, if your listeners, uh, I encourage them to take that CCTI course. uh, For sure. I'm going to be taking it. And if... And do the online modules too, because uh, that's great information about tile installation, how it's supposed to be done. Can they register already? Like go online and already get the ball rolling, or not yet? Ah, uh, not yet. Not uh, yet. Okay. We're we're just New Year. We've got a meeting coming up with our website guy to get the page set up for for the registration mm-hmm. and all the information cool. and that kind of thing. So I'll cool. start practicing. Um, <laughs> well, read, you know, read, I'm going to give you one of those manuals and uh, start, start reading. We got studying. homework now. There's I'll homework. be studying in my office. I'll make sure nobody knocks on the door. There's <laughs> homework. www.ttmac.com, guys. Association at ttmac.com. And on Instagram, ttmac Canada. Carlito, you got anything else to share yeah, there? Yeah, um, I want to do a big shout out to uh, Small Maid. Um, yes. His name is uh, Jeff Small. Yes. Uh, he reached out to me the other day, gave me a, a fantastic job, and uh, I just wanted to say thank you, and I appreciate that uh, he shut it out and you know got me a job. And Matt from MMC, I told him that we we're doing the show here, and I was like, he's like, I got a lot of questions for Todd. <laughs> I was like, send them to me. He never sent me any questions, so I, I didn't get anything from Matt, but just to give him a heads up. Because like, we don't get this opportunity to sit down with people like you 
to get these questions asked. Well, every 10 years I do. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if you want to do this on a regular basis, I'd be more than happy. Oh, I think it's brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. That would be good because then we could just continue educating about the industry. Yeah, the we pick, pick a topic yeah. and we spend the, the tiles talking Whoa. about topics. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, even in the tile topic, there's so many things we what? could spend the whole whole program on. I like it. Yeah, I'd like to talk it? more about marble and granite. I thought it was interesting. We just never got to it. Maybe a little bit more about glass. <laughs> <laughs> and, and quite honestly, we have such deep resources in the industry that if you want to talk about uh, glass, we can bring in somebody that That's knows fantastic. glass inside out. Or if it's stone, we can get a stone expert in. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk about, you know, solid surface countertops, boom, we got people that uh, are experts at that. So we can bring, you know, it's not just me, but a few other people or one other person or two uh, to uh, like a little panel. Cause I think that a lot of guys are establishing their businesses, but they're not taking on certain jobs because they may be a little insecure about doing it because they really don't know everything about it. Or don't mm -hmm. want to lose money. Well, it's uh, all big money. Well, you buy Cause it. It, it, you make a big mistake. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to lose that. It's Just true. like a large format sheet could be, you know, a four Costly. A five by 10 could be 1500 bucks. Could be 2000. Depends on who you are and your deals. Right. Yeah, well, one one contractor said it's four thousand dollars to replace one tile. One tile. Well, you got a big panel. That's one tile. It's, it's true. It's on the floor. Cost is fifteen hundred dollars for the panel. Remove plus it. Plus removing it. the risk of chi chipping the tile the beside next one. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to replace no, two. You're right. <laughs> and that's stress. So the, the, that's stress. Yeah, it is. And yeah. even trying to get that level, doesn't matter if you're using perfect level, whatever you're using for the system. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Like, you guys don't get into clips, eh? The, the clip systems are used everywhere. Yeah. All around the world. And they're, they're, they're great to get the finish to be perfect. It's not there to l install the tile. Like you still have to install the tile. There's actually a, a YouTube video they should uh, look up. It's called Trowel and Error. Hmm. Trial and error. I like that. Right, I and they show the proper way to set a tile into thin set. Wow! And on that note, thank you very much, Todd. He does the beatbox things out of here. Everybody, again, Instagram TT Mac Canada. Email is association at ttmac.com, and the website is www.ttmac.com. Watch for what's happening with these guys next year with Carlito. He's going to be doing the the certification there. You're going to be whoa. Fell off a little bit more than I could chew. Todd, thank you very much, man. Always a pleasure. And guys, don't forget this Saturday. Carlito and I are doing some craziness. Yeah, and Manny November might lose 20th his socks if he falls We're recording 14 shows over 24 hours. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. We've got our 14 guests, and we got 14 topics. Lots of great topics, man. Straight out of T.O. Todd.